part there is Marcos laughing hysterically. Let's all practice that. <laughs> you know, it's hard to keep sad when you, even like if you fake laugh. It's great. Just put a smile on your face. Worship before the Lord. It's great sometimes simply to welcome the joy of the Lord. And this morning, as I look back over the good things that God has done in and through you here in 2018, one of the things we wanted to highlight this morning is the ministry of Esther Holmes. Now, just in case you wonder, Esther is not a name of a woman. It is a name of a woman in the Old Testament, but it represents a ministry that's set to care for women in crises, especially women who found themselves with an unexpected pregnancy. And we want to be a part, not simply speaking about the value of life, but we want to make a difference and provide resources and opportunities for those who find themselves in these difficult challenges. So Emily and Laura, come on up. Let's welcome these ladies. Is Laura with you? Laura here today? Oh, she's not fit. Well, Emily, come on up. Praise the Lord. And tell us a little bit about what's going on over there and how this year has been for you. Uh, thank you for being here so I get to share. I think the last time I stood on this stage uh, was July, so about half of you were on a lake or in a cabin. <laughs> um, so it's fun to share new stories in the new year. Um, yeah, we are right across the parking lot. And in the past five months, we've had three families move in. Um, and I think as a nonprofit, um, we're housing for pregnant women and single moms, and it's easy to want to share outcomes like, got GEDs, there were babies born, um, there were jobs that were gotten and jobs that were changed and people enrolled in college. But um, as a ministry, we believe the most sustainable thing we can give to someone is relationship um, and a community of support. And that's why we're the most excited to be across the parking lot from you. Um, and so if I'm gonna share testimonies, that's what I wanna emphasize, because if I share a testimony, I'm saying God can do it again and God can do more of it. And so we just wanna share about relationships, like moments of love breaking through for people. Um, and so many of you knew um, Mama Sarah, or I've gotten to meet her, and one of the places that happened was a baby shower that we had. Um, she moved in with a beautiful little girl and then was expecting another girl. Um, and there was a moment towards the end of her baby shower where she was unwrapping this huge box, huge. Um, and as she ripped open the wrapping paper, she realized it was a car seat that was like her dream car seat that she didn't think anyone would get from her, and it was from Isaiah 117 at this church. And this huge smile broke out across her face, and she gave a really like big like belly laugh, and she was crying, and she's kind of like laughing and crying. <laughs> um, and a word that we felt was spoken over her before she moved in was that things in her childhood that weren't as they should be would be restored. And so I don't know what birthday parties looked like, but I know she didn't have a baby shower for her first child. And so for her to just like lose herself in joy and be the center of attention and be cherished and extravagantly blessed in that moment was huge for her and it was huge for us. Um, and you might be thinking, I can't give a car seat, and that's okay, we don't always need them, but what we do need is people to just give a yes and expect nothing in return and be okay with that and know it's faithful. Um, and so one story I have too is that the same Mama Sarah, she came to a ministry event here and Laura and I, who are the staff there, we couldn't come. And she was sending us messages like, I'm scared, I'm alone, I don't know anyone. And then all of a sudden we started getting messages like, I met a girl named Callie. I've never met you, Callie. If you're here, I would love to meet you. But she, she invited me to coffee. And so someone sat next to Sarah, just started talking to her, got her number, invited her to coffee. She talked about it the rest of the day. Um, I honestly don't think they ever got coffee, 
but that doesn't mean nothing happened. It means that Callie got to be one person tipping the scales in Sarah's life that says, hey, without expecting anything in return, I'm gonna pursue you, and I wanna know who you are. Um, and that gives weight to when we tell them they have worth, that they're fun to be around, believe it. Um, and so, just to end this, and the very next day after the new year, we got to move in a new family, beautiful mom and a boy, a little baby boy, and they've already brought so much peace and generosity to our home. So we're really excited for 2018. I could share a million more stories, and if you want to be involved, come talk to me, but thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks, my Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give us the privilege to be a part of extending your love and compassion. God, you have loved us so much. You've shown such great compassion to us. And Father, I pray that even more so we would be those who would uh, express that, exhibit that in this world, God. Thank you, for, I, thank you for the ministry of Esther Holmes. Thank you for the ladies who are caring for women in a time of great need. Continue to bless them, provide for them, and use them in this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A number of months ago, Janet and I set a couple days aside to go seek the Lord. There's a campground up near Frederick, Wisconsin, that's a Christian conference center, and one of their ministries is to provide an apartment for pastors for a time of prayer. So it was a beautiful time to get away, went up there, spent a couple days, and asked the Lord, Lord, what do you have for us in 2019? What do you want to speak to us as a church in the upcoming year? And, you know, my temptation is to come up with something new and exciting, something no one's ever thought of. You know, get something fresh and so, you know, something with pizzazz, the, the year of divine revelation. Ooh, we all go, ooh, you know, or the year of Christ's imminent return. You know, something that we'd all get, you know, um, I didn't get that. I felt the Lord say to me, I've already spoken to you. I've already given you the vision for the church in my word. You don't need to impress anybody with something new. Just go back to my word. See what I have for the church. And it's not so much of coming up with something catchy or new or a, a slogan or a phrase. But the greater challenge for you and me is to actually put into practice that which we already know. We have a lot of knowledge. We have a lot of people here who have heard a lot of sermons. We have people that have studied a lot. And even if you're new, there's a lot of things that God has put in you, many times more than you know. But the challenge is how to take the information that we have and let it drop into our souls and become part of our new DNA. It hurts me sometimes when I see Christians who have walked with the Lord for 30, 40 years, and from the outside you look at them and you still see a lot of carnal flesh. Now we all see that in other people, right? It's easy to say, you know, they've been walking with the Lord too long to have that anger problem, or to have that, you see that, and it's easy to see in other people, but the Lord always wants to take that 
and turn a mirror back into ourselves and say, God, where do you want to work more of your life and character in me? Take the things, the information I have, and have it become applied to my life. Life transformation. So I turn back to Matthew 28. I believe the Lord gave me some new insight into a scripture that I've taught on, preached on, studied for many years. But I want to just share that with you this morning. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the heart of this passage is a, is a verse, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Let's say it together. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. One more time. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is a strong command. It's also known as a great commission. Christ gave this to his disciples just before he was ready to leave them. We can understand that it had central purpose to him. It was the purpose for which he came to disciple, to, to pay the price for our sins, but then to disciple his followers to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And this strong command was not simply for the 12 that were following him, but it was also for all of those who would put their trust in Christ as their Savior. Anybody here like that? Those who put their trust in Jesus Christ, that, that commandment is for us. And this strong command in the middle, verse 19, is sandwiched between two key truths. This is kind of what I came to understand in a new way. The first key truth is that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So that's the first part that says, because Christ humbled himself to the extreme. We just walked through Christmas where he humbled himself to be born as a baby in a barn to a poor family with no fanfare, but that wasn't the extreme humbling. The extreme humbling was then to be, to give his life at Calvary for our sins, to bear the sins of the entire world. Because he humbled himself to that extreme, the scripture says that therefore the Father has given him, Jesus, the name that is above every name. They love to use these, the scripture uses these big words like all and every. That means that Christ is the king over all the kings of the earth. He's the Lord over every Lord. He's above every authority, no matter whether you think of any nation or president or king. The name of Jesus is higher, more powerful. He has all authority. Just let that rest in your soul a bit this morning. The God we serve is not under any ruler. He's above the, the stuff that we hear about our country. Jesus is bigger. Hallelujah. The worries we have about other nations, Jesus is bigger than that. 
He's above all authority. It says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then on the other hand, on the other side of this sandwich, with divine sandwich, the commission sandwich, is the incredible promise at the end that Jesus will be with you always to the end of the age. That means that the big guy, the guy with all the power, all the authority, all the resources, has promised to be with you in every situation, in every challenge, in every hardship, in every heartache. He is with us. He's promised to stick with you everywhere you go, night and day. When you work, when you play, when you sleep, when you bathe, when you're being born, when you die. The promise, the most powerful promise, maybe of the whole Bible, is that Jesus has promised to be with you. If we understood that, it'd change our lives. That, that Jesus comes to be with us. And you know, we face trials. I am very aware of many of your trials. That's one of the things that happens when you get to be pastor. You hear of things that are hurting in people. And I, I feel that. And I, and I carry that with you to a level. But not the level that Christ carries that. And that when you feel alone, you are not alone. If you hear yourself saying, well, I'm alone in this world, it's not true. Not if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. You are never alone. You may feel alone. And God does bring the body and the fellowship and this church and the community to walk with us. That's incredibly important. That's part of the way that he walks with us and, and fills that need in our life. But Christ has promised to be with us. And you know, when we face these trials in life, the trials that you're facing, you can just pick one today. I'm sure you have a list. But when you face hardships, sickness, pain, loss, even harder for that to me is relational conflict. And we pray. Anybody pray? You have a problem. What really drives us to our knees is our problems, right? When life is just going great, we say, thanks, God, kind of give him a wave as you go by. But when life is melting down, when things are tough, is a time when hopefully we, well, oftentimes we drive ourselves to our knees and we pray to God. And sometimes, well, what do we pray for? We pray for healing. We pray for financial provision. We pray for that job. We pray for safety. We pray for these things. And many times God moves and he provides that for us. He takes care of it. Um, I won't go into this, but you know, many have been praying for my mother, who was at death's door maybe three weeks ago. And we really prayed for her, and there's been a transformation in my mother. Anybody who stops by goes, wow. Um, I think Troy said this morning, your mother's crazy. I said, I've known that for years. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't know I was going to say that, did you? But she's just, she's telling everybody about Jesus that comes to the door. She's happy. She's eating. She's blessing people. She's, she's just enjoying this last phase of her life, which may be longer than we thought, praise the Lord. 
We prayed, and I believe God answered and raised her up. I don't think the world, I don't think heaven's quite ready for her yet. And we pray, and God answers, and we recognize that as a hand of God. We get the new job, we get healed, we see relationships healed, and we give glory to God. But the harder thing is when we pray and we don't see the answer. And it goes on. And you pray, and you don't, in your own eyes, see those answers. And what do you do when you walk through your pain? What do you do? There's a lot of different ways. And really one of the defining things for us as Christians is what we do when life doesn't work like we want it to work. And people respond in all different ways. Do you get angry with God? Do you harden your heart towards him? I'd rather see you get angry with God than harden your heart. Angry, at least, you can turn towards God and talk to him and wrestle with him. But some people, when life turns away from what they want, when they experience the pain, they turn away from God. They harden their heart. They lose faith, and they say things like, maybe God doesn't care, maybe he doesn't see me, maybe I'm not important. And those lies begin to drop into their heart. But listen to the psalmist in Psalm 23. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. So even though the psalmist is walking through, I don't know exactly what the valley of the shadow of death, they say there was a valley that was a dangerous place, and I don't know exactly, but I do know that it speaks of the valleys that we walk through in our lives. And the psalmist is saying, even though I walk through that, even though I have to experience the difficulty of life, I don't have to fear evil because you are with me. Because you are with me. Does that sound like what you hear in Matthew 28? I will never leave you nor forsake you. And this is our promise. The promise that it is not is that if you come to Jesus, you won't have any more pain or any more trouble for the rest of your life. Hallelujah. How many of you know that it's not quite that way? And that may be a better sales pitch as we're trying to bring people to faith in Christ, but it's not really honest. It's not even biblical. I'm not saying the Bible is not true. Exactly the opposite. I'm saying the Bible is true. But the Bible has verses like John um, 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have tribulation. How many of you say, hallelujah, that's my favorite promise? <laughs> no, no, but here's the promise, or here's the truth. In this world, we'll have tribulation, trouble, suffering, sorrow. This is part of this world we're walking and living in. But take heart, be encouraged, find joy in the middle of your struggle that I have overcome the world, that I will never leave you nor forsake you, that Christ walks with us and it changes us 
even more than I believe it changes our situation. I'll jump back to my mother, which is a major issue. Where I me mean, just walking through, she's been in bed now for probably maybe four weeks. Um, and to watch her joy and her faith and her walk with God in the middle of her last days is inspiring. It's a woman that served God all her life, and she's just ready to go on to glory and loving all the people that come, and she's just relishing what some people could see as a very bad thing. She's seeing it as, praise the Lord, my day is coming. I get to see people I love on the other side. She's found the joy in the middle of a very negative situation. And I say, God, may that be true in my life. May that be true in our lives as we walk through the challenges, the hospitalizations, the physical pains. May we say, God, thank you that I'm not alone, that you walk with me, that you are here with me in the middle. So here's the sandwich. God of all power, of all authority, has promised to walk with you in your challenge, to strengthen you, to give you actual joy in the middle of what you're walking through. So that's our, that's our big sandwich. And then in the middle of this, he says, and now I have a task and a job for you to do. I have a role for you as my follower. And here it is. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to obey all that I've commanded you. This is not simply a good verse for all the missionaries of the world. This is also not a scripture written to the pastors or Christian workers. This is not a call to the radicals or the superstars or the perfect Christians. I have yet to meet them. One thing I found in the mission field is that there were very normal people out there who just wanted to serve Jesus. But they were normal people with normal issues and yet watching God do great things as we make ourselves available to him. But this verse is for everyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ. And I would imagine that most of the people I'm speaking to this morning have put their faith in Christ, would say, my life is about obeying and following him. And this verse is for you to go and make disciples of all nations. So you, 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 you are called to be a disciple maker. Just tell somebody, you're called to be a disciple maker. You're called to be a disciple maker. See, folks, your life is not your own. Following Christ is not just being saved from hell, having God live in you to make life prettier and more comfortable and more joyful as you work your way towards your final day. That's not the, what it's really about. That is what it's about, but there is more. And God wants to give you that abundant life. One thing he's put in my heart is that God has abundant life for this church. But real abundant life. Not Americanism, Amer abundant life. Real 
spirit-filled, godly, abundant life. And one of the ways in which you find that is as your life makes a difference. Did you see Emily glow this morning as she talked about what's happening in some of these women? One of the reasons she glows is because she's had a part in being used by God to care for other people in Jesus' name. And when you see God use you, there's something that happens in you. And we are called to be disciple makers. And God has a plan and has positioned each of you in multiple different areas to reach people I don't even, I could never reach and I've never met. But God wants us to be disciple makers. But let me back up a step here. The preamble or the prerequisite for being a disciple maker is that you have to be a disciple. Make sense? Rule number one, you can only disciple others to the degree that you've become a disciple. It's hard to disciple people beyond what you've been discipled. You normally, the way it works is God's done something in you and you share it with others and you bring them along with you. You teach what God has taught you. You model, even better than teaching, you model what Christ has done in your life and they see it. As a parent, this was always wonderful and terrifying that I watch my children model me and I watch them sound like me. I watch my son Joshua parent his children and he sounds like me. And sometimes I go, praise the Lord. He actually caught something. And sometimes I go, oh, don't do that. <laughs> you know, you see yourself being modeled in the children that you disciple for good or for bad. You can only disciple people. They can go beyond you, but you can only disciple people to the level that you have become a disciple of Christ. And if, and so to be a disciple maker, you must first become a disciple. So as I've sought the Lord for clarity and for direction for 2019, I believe the Lord has led me back to the Great Commission of Matthew 28. And I felt the Lord give me a prophetic word for the church that I want to share with you this morning. And... There are different kinds of prophetic words. There are prophetic words that are foretelling as in speaking of things that are to come. And God sometimes speaks to people in that way. This is not one of those. There are also prophetic words that are foretelling as in they proclaim what, God's, what is in God's heart for his people for that time. They they speak something that God has in his heart for a people. And I believe this is what God has put upon my heart. So if I may just ask you to close your eyes and receive what I believe is God's word for us. And Father, I pray that I could speak your words with the fear of the Lord and with accuracy to the best of my abilities, God. Come speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. I am calling you to me. I am calling you to be with me. I am calling you to follow me. 
I am not wanting empty words nor vague intentions. I am calling you to follow me with your whole heart, with your time, with your resources, with your affections. I am calling you to be a doer of my word, not simply a hearer. I want to penetrate your heart to the level that it results in a change of priorities, a change of habits, and a change of heart. I have placed my light in you, and I'm calling you to shine that light as never before in this world. But you must let me fill you to overflowing, to transform and change you, to alter that to which you hold so tightly. It is my spirit within you that will impact others. It is my spirit being seen in you that will draw the world to me. Amen. You can open your eyes. So as your pastor, I want to dedicate 2019 here at City Hill to the year of strategic discipleship. Say that with me, strategic discipleship. My sermons this year, in one way or another, will rotate, will involve this theme. And you may say, okay, good, good. He's got a sermon plan for the year. And I can preach, and you can all cheer me on. Good job. You can get a couple people, little bold people in the back who say, Amen, preach it, Pastor. And I'll, you can send me encouraging emails. But my question is, will your life change? Will more information and more preaching result in different lives? Will you be growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Will you be closer to Christ at the end of 2019? having listened to my many sermons. And honestly, I'm not convinced. I'm really not. I'm very aware that preaching has its limitations and these 35 minutes on Sunday mornings can't compete with the rest of the week. And Jesus spoke to this condition in James 1, verse 22. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I'll say that again. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres. I say again, the law of liberty and perseveres. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And that's my prayer and my desire for each of you. I want you to be blessed in your lives. I want you to experience the abundant life. I want us to go beyond what I would call as basic American Christianity. I want us to become those who, who the life of Christ so penetrates us that it results in habit change, in life change, in, in life transformation. 
And I would like to invite you to join me in this year of strategic discipleship. Which leads me to rule number two. And that speaks that we have a rich history of 2,000 plus years of spiritual practices that followers of Christ have embraced and practiced to grow in their spiritual life. We didn't start this life in Christ, right? We have 2,000 years of people who have followed after Christ at different levels and different ways. And some of the practices have been powerful in forming their character. And we are unwise if we throw all that away and say they didn't know anything, but we now have the truth. There's much we can learn from those who have walked with Christ before us. So I'm going to be preaching on discipleship this year and others. And then in September of this year, we're going to be launching a church-wide discipleship program. And I don't really, my heart and my intention is not that a few people would join me, but that we, the church, would, would join this, this program. We're still developing it. We're still figuring it out. We're still making some adjustments. And initially, I'll be asking four weeks of you. Not four years, not four months. Four weeks. We'll probably start that about September 15th and take four weeks and set a time aside for us to put into practice discipleship principles. Now, you can start today, hallelujah. Please do. But as a church, my heart and my passion is that our lives would look more like Christ and that we would truly become disciples of Christ and that as we become disciples, the natural outflowing of that is we're going to therefore become better disciple makers, those who are reaching out, those who are naturally just sharing what Christ has done in us with the people around us. That we would be empowered to apply what we've carried, the information that we have in our minds, into our lives, and that as a result, we would also be sharing that with the world around us, the world that so dearly and deeply needs to know and be discipled by the Lord Jesus Christ. So the worship team come forward. I want to close in a time of worship. I want to pray a blessing of you before we sing this first song the second part. May you grow as a true disciple of Jesus Christ. May each of you be filled with the Holy Spirit in a new and fresh way. And may you be transformed in your character by his word as we grow in our relationship with him, the only true God. In Jesus' name. Amen.